I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Cantobite Dispatch. Today I'm Brittany and joining me today, as always, is my friend Emily Lind. Hi Emily! Hi Brittany! How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? Eh, I'm good. How's your week been? Uh, it's been okay. You know, it was a week. I survived it. How about you? Uh, same. I mean, I'm trying to think if I did anything this week. Uh, I watched Game of Thrones on Sunday night, and it was really good. And then I saw Endgame again on Thursday, and that was great. I cried again. And then, yeah, today's Sunday. So, I made it through another week. My older brother is apparently really mad at me for stopping watching Game of Thrones. (laughs) <laughs> really he had well he had yelled at me about it but apparently he was like upset enough to bitch about it to my parents when he was talking to them the other day <laughs> dude but last week's episode was so good i read about it i sort of know everything that happens on that show even though i don't watch it anymore just through osmosis mm. what'd you think i mean i don't give a shit anymore yeah, but, I mean, aren't you, like, happy for Arya for killing the Night King? Eh, I just don't care. Mm. That's why I stopped watching. If I cared, I would still be watching. So what made you not care? Um, I don't think the writing has been very good. And I stopped liking pretty much all of the characters. Hmm. And, quite frankly, I was d- done seeing sexual assault. Mm. I'm sorry. But, yeah, I mean, it's ending soon, so, I mean, you'll stop hearing about it. So, I'm happy for you in that uh, way. But, um, I've been seeing that you've been making some good food lately. I did, because it's ramp season, and ramps are one of my favorite things. It's actually like a foraged vegetable and this season is pretty short but they're they're like a wild leek oniony garlicky type thing and i can get them at the farmer's market for a couple of weeks 
during the spring, and they're delicious. And I roast them in the oven. And today I used some... Well, I didn't roast them this morning. Today I sautéed them in butter and garlic and then made them into scrambled eggs. And it was fucking delicious. So good. Yum. Yeah, if you live in a place where you can get ramps, you should get ramps. I don't think that I'm on the West Coast, but the East Coast and Midwest have them. Ramps. So, like, define ramps. Is it, like, a cheese? Is it a... Dude, do you not listen to anything that I just said? Where I was just talking about how they're a wild, oniony, leaky, garlicky thing? Because that's literally what they are. You know, I heard the leaky, garlicky thing, but I'm like, why is it called a... Why is it called that? Well, I don't know. Why is an onion called an onion? I don't know. Like, who comes up with these names? Oh, my God. I'm not having this conversation. Hmm. Well, that's good. I mean, you've been, like, cooking it up, too. Like, I saw what you made yesterday with your cheeses and everything. Yeah, yesterday was really, I mean, that's, like, you can make a cheese plate look really fancy and you put in almost no effort. All I did was roast ramps and then cut up some cheese and toast some bread. I got this amazing goat cheese from the farmer's market. It looked really good. Oh my god, it was so good. I still have a little bit left. What are you do with it? it. Goes I, I eat it on bread. It's it's too good to sort of do anything with besides just eat it. Because I don't want to cover it up with anything. Hmm. But I still have a little bit of um, some pretty decent sourdough left. So I'll have that tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, I'm slowly becoming like a cheese and crackers person or like a cheese and bread person. Yeah. Yeah. I do I that love- a lot. Yeah. I do that a lot, especially during the summer when it's hot and I don't particularly want to actually cook. Yeah. <laughs> I never cook. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Usually my older sister does or something since she's home like all the time now. Like for uh, Game of Thrones, uh, a couple weeks ago she made us all personalized chicken pot pies. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was good. And then she made uh, bread, but she made it like it looked like one of the wolves. Oh, that's cool. I know. Oh, yeah. Now I remember what I did this week. So my sister... As a joke, a couple months ago, decided to get my mom, her and I, tickets to Disney on Ice. And then the joke turned out to be reality because I woke up on Friday to, all right, let's get ready. We're going Disney on Ice. Okay. So, I mean, there was an open bar there and the lady making margaritas did a great job because I was feeling it and... I am reminded why I don't go to Disney on ice because I am 23 years old. (laughs) No, it was, it was good. I mean, I felt bad definitely because there was, so they do it like through different Disney movies, but for some reason they decided to have like an hour long toy story thing. And then all the other movies they cram into like another hour, but I felt really bad for the people because, like, there was a point where half of the people had fallen on the ice. And, like, I had accidentally gotten a picture of it. 
and it was really bad. Like Mrs. Potato Head's like body parts were like all over the ice. <laughs> and then Ariel like gushed her knee really bad. So Oh no. Yeah. It was bad, but I mean, like, other th- it was cute. I mean, did I regret going? I mean, I could have found, like, other things to do on Friday night, but, you know, it was nice to hang out and drink with my sister and my mom, so that was good. Did you do anything Star Wars-y for the 4th? No, I worked, though. I mean, in my break room, they were playing Star Wars, which was nice, so I got to relax and watch Return of the Jedi for about an hour. Did you do anything? Um, the only thing I did was steal Saunders put up the video feed for the live podcast he did at Celebration, and there was like a chat to go along with that in YouTube. So I was hanging out there, and then he also put up a Patreon only link for the erotic fanfic, which Ooh. there was also like a chat along with that. So that was a lot of fun. That's good. Yeah, I was in there for a little bit, but I don't know. It's just work's been kind of crappy lately. So I went in, said hi, and then I fell asleep at like eight. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it was funny because I've, through, you know, doing this podcast and editing it half the time, I've gotten used to hearing my own voice, but seeing myself on video was a new, like, oh, I don't like this. that's funny but it was nice to have a slightly better view in terms of what was going on during the fanfic reading because like obviously like i was sitting up on the couch so i saw some of it but i couldn't i couldn't always see like people's facial expressions and so it was it was fun to see johnny's whole thing yeah his uh ensemble yeah, Steel Steel did him some favors with the editing. I will say. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he has to. I mean, Johnny has like a real job, so. But Johnny also did that. <laughs> yeah, but it's different doing it in front of a hundred people versus in a internet. bar and having it be on YouTube. I remember at first he was so in denial that it was going to be on YouTube. Like, I remember afterwards, I was like, Johnny, you know, this is going to be on YouTube, right? And he's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, oh, you sweet child. I'm like, Jonathan Grosso, you precious soul. It was, it's quite the performance. Um, If you're not a Steel Wars Patreon, I... And I, yeah, I'm slightly biased because I wrote the thing, but I think it's worth paying the three bucks it is a month to get the link to see this because it's it's pretty good performances from from Johnny as director Krennic and Chris Taylor uh, doing a really good Tarkin, and then Randy from Now This Is Podcasting uh, narrating it, and they are all really good sports. Oh yeah. I loved, like, at a point in time when Randy just looked at you and he's like, what do you do in your spare time? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun to witness. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. Um, Because how I do it, like, I write the script and then Steel, like, goes in and does sound effects and stuff. 
And then like within the scripts that he hands out to the people reading it, it has a sound effects cues, but I don't have a copy of that script. So I don't know what's coming in terms of sound effects. And it was really quite something this year. So I have the only question I have from that was there was a part when a certain mic drop, a certain saying was said like 50 times on the soundbite thing. It was the, Oh, I love a four and twenty. Yeah, did Mendo say that on a pod on Steel's podcast? I th- I think that's where the clips from. Yeah, it's because it's talking about the meat pies that he's like obsessed with. Because I remember hearing that for the first time, and like for some reason, like it sounded like something from The Simpsons, and I was just like, <laughs> I don't get why this is being played over and over again. But then, like, thank God, I think it was Turbo or someone like. Uh, posted a picture of Mendo with the words oil of a four and 20 like him eating the meat pie so I'm like oh that's what that's from so it all makes sense but yeah I recommend everyone become Patreon just so that they can check that out listen to it watch it laugh cry Happy tears. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I will say is the people reading it don't read it ahead of time. So you're seeing them read it for the first time. Yeah. Which is why some of some of Randy's (laughs) reactions are so good. Yeah. God God bless Randy. He has definitely the lion's work there in terms of horrific things he has to read. He's so nice about it though. Oh yeah. He does a he does a really good job. Bless him. <sighs> well, um, yeah. Also on this May second, which was a Thursday, was when the Galaxy's Edge uh, reservations went out for Disneyland, and they all sold out, and. Now, slowly, but surely, I am regretting not getting one. So, Oh, you didn't get one? No, I didn't. And I don't know why I didn't. Because, you know, knowing me, like, I would have totally paid, like, I would pay to even go to, like, a pre-event, you know, like a, op- like a soft opening event. So, I'm, I don't know why I wasn't able or willing to pay what like 90 to like 120 dollars to like go to galaxy's edge and disneyland for four hours you know so i'm kind of looking back and regretting it but i mean i'm only regretting it because i think that disney is going to be smart with the four hour window thing but also they could so i don't know i don't know how they're going to do this where Everyone's given a four-hour window, but there are going to be some fuckers that are going to like stay there for more than four hours, and that's how it's going to get crowded. So, I'm, yeah, I was wondering how that was going to be enforced. So, my theory on it was at the end of four hours, you go on the ride, and then that's how they're like, "All right, bye, guys, see you later. You rode the ride. That means your day's over." There'd be too many people to get everybody in at the end. The end of their four hour. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Well. 
I mean, there's a lot of people in every four-hour window. And if you think about it, too, so the park opens at, like, 8 a.m. So from 8 a.m. to, like, midnight, that's fucking insane. The fact that that sold out, too, whew, that's going to be a lot of people at Disneyland. It just seems like you're not going to be able to actually do much in those four hours. Like, it's conceivable that the ride for the line is going to be like three hours. Well, I think that's how they're going to do it is that, you know, the, you're, you go on the ride at a certain time. It's like the fast pass system. So you're given a fast pass and the fast pass can be from 3.30 to 4.30 and you have to go into that window 10 minutes early and 10 minutes after 3.30. So I think that's my, how they might do it is through the fast pass window. So maybe it's at the end of their four hour mark that they're able to go but if you miss it then you can't go on it because that's how the fast pass system works you know like the honor system you know like if you miss your fast pass you can't go if you're too early to your fast pass you can't get on it mm. so that's my how that's how they might do it well either way i'm excited to see the crowds i hope that disney does a live stream on the day of because they did a live stream recently for uh disney's hollywood studios uh 30th anniversary they did like a little like parade and everything mm. and they revealed the new the new sign which mm. but i don't know it should be interesting I'm just excited to see who's all going to be there because obviously there's going to be a ton of celebrities probably. There's going to be a ton of people. I'm trying to think if I know anyone that has who actually got it on the day of. I know someone that got it the day after, but who knows? Congrats to everyone that got a reservation though. I'm happy for you. you. Hope you're actually able to do stuff. I mean, even though like nothing is going to be open, like I was talking to one of my coworkers about it yesterday, the Rise of Resistance is not open. The bar is not open, but I guess everything else is. So, I don't know. It just still seems to me like you'd be able to do like one or two things. Yeah. Well, that's probably why they have like the, you know, the four hour window is because a lot of those Disney vloggers are going to go there and they're just going to be taking pictures and that can take anywhere from two to three hours. Them just taking pictures in front of everything or of everything, you know, live videos. But then like also like the normal Disney goer is just going to, you know, try to get on the ride or something, you know, try to walk around, go inside some of the stores if some of the stores are open and then the merch too. people are going to probably try to buy merch and then resell it on like ebay or something for a lot of money the whole thing sounds miserable to me Hmm. i'm hoping for the best but i'm expecting the worst but also i all i wanted to go so (laughs) either way uh would have would have it been worth it to go maybe but with all the crowds that would have been an interesting story to tell that you know i was there for the opening of galaxy's edge but that story could be i was standing in line for four hours that's true but also people are still waiting for four hours and lines at pandora for uh the flight of passage at animal kingdom so (sighs) unfortunately it's becoming a 
normal thing to wait in long lines, but I don't know. Uh, um, well, unfortunately, we have to move on to some pretty sad news. Um, we found out on Friday that uh, Peter Mayhew passed away. And it's been really hard for everyone, really, because, you know, he was Chewbacca. Yeah. And I mean, even though even though, you know, Jonas has taken over the role and and has done a, a really, a really good job as Chewie. Peter is Chewbacca Mm -hmm. and is always is always going to be and and you know a lot and this is something you hear a lot that Chewbacca is the character he is because of 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 Peter Mayhew like so much of that comes from him and and his choices more than what was down in the script and you know like every every fan interaction story you hear about Mayhew is always just how generous with his time and lovely and kind he always was at every convention appearance. Yeah. I always remember hearing just such kind and marvelous things about Peter. And that's what made me really sad when I found out was that, you know, we lost such a positive and beautiful person in this Star Wars community. Yeah, and I was I was actually talking about this with with my mom on the phone the other day and we were talking about Chewbacca is sort of the heart of Star Wars in so many ways. And it's because he's not, like, if I was listing my top five Star Wars characters, he probably wouldn't be on that list. But when I sat down and th- think about it, he, he's so special to to that universe. And it is, I can't, and I'm sorry, I can't think of a better, a better word for it. That it's such a, it's such a human performance inside this big furry suit and the fact that Chewbacca is so expressive and emotive in in a mask is is amazing and I don't know you can really you can feel Peter's heart through that character and it, it adds such such a warmth to Star Wars. And that's that's a pretty hard loss to take. Yeah. It is, but it's been so wonderful seeing all, you know, the stories about Peter and all the pictures that, you know, he took with fans and then all of the statements celebrities and directors have been, you know, releasing due to this. And, you know, all of them are so lovely to hear because of how great Peter was. You can tell in every statement that everyone said that 
Peter was wonderful. And even Jonas's statement. I mean, Jonas is his protege. I mean, it must be so hard for him having to write that. But, you know, having to step in the shoes of Peter must be like such an honor for him, you know? So. Yeah. Um, I wanted to read uh, Harrison's statement because I thought it was it was a particularly beautiful one. And it was too. The Hollywood Reporter, and of course, just because the the Han and Chewbacca relationship is so important to those movies, but um, Ford said, Peter Mayhew was a kind and gentle man, possessed of great dignity and noble character. These aspects of his own personality, plus his wit and grace, he brought to Chewbacca. We were partners in film and friends in life for over 30 years, and I loved him. He invested his soul in the character and brought great pleasure to the Star Wars audience. Chewbacca was an important part of the success of the films we made together. He knew how important the fans of the franchise were to its continued success, and he was devoted to them. I and millions of others will never forget Peter and what he gave us all. My thoughts are with his dear wife, Angie, and his children. Rest easy, my dear friend. What a man. I love that they have been friends for so many years too. Cause I mean, you can do a movie franchise with someone and, you know, not be as close, but I mean, I've always loved that the whole cast of star Wars, like they're all always very close with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, George also said something which was really nice. It was really short, but sweet. He said, Peter was a wonderful man. He was the closest any human being could be to a Wookiee. Big heart, gentle nature, and I learned to always let him win. He was a good friend, and I'm saddened by his passing. And also, Kathleen Kennedy said something. This was on the Star Wars Twitter. Uh, We are deeply saddened today by the news of Peter Mayhew's passing. Since 1976, Peter's iconic portrayal of the loyal, lovable Chewbacca has been absolute integral to the character's success and to Star Wars saga itself. Yeah, it really... He really gave a a beautiful and I would say entirely underrated performance as Chewbacca. Yeah. I mean, Chewbacca is Star Wars. I mean, I feel even when people that don't even know what Star Wars is, like they think of Chewbacca, like they think of the big hairy guy, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It's really sad. Like this really got caught me off guard because we had just seen him at celebration, you know? So like, I remember, you know, walking by, you know, one of the booths and like seeing him from a distance. Yeah. And I know, I know his health hadn't been good for, for several years now. I mean, that's part of the reason he, he was slowly, he had slowly stepped away from the role and been doing less and less of it. But, yeah, it's still, it just, it seemed really sudden. Mm-hmm. I know. It was really sad. I was reading this recently that he was supposed to be at a convention or something. And they left the booth and they just put, like, flowers and everything. And they put out some books for fans to write and, you know, talking about, you know, Peter and great Peter moments or great Chewbacca moments. And I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. I thought, I I forget what convention that was, but I thought that was really lovely. Yeah. Um, But, you know, talking about, 
you know, great Chewbacca or Peter Mayhew moments. Do you have any that you can think of? I mean, I never, I never got to meet Peter, which I now, I now really regret because I was definitely at conventions that he was at and and could have, you know, done done photo ops. But, I mean, Chewbacca is just—I mean, he's Chewbacca. He's so lovely and so. Star Wars wouldn't be Star Wars without Chewie. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Han has always been my character, but Han isn't Han without Chewbacca. Those those characters are are so intertwined, and that that friendship is such a magical one to watch, especially since you only ever understand one half of it. And Chewbacca is, like, the fictional character I, number one, would most want to hug from. Oh. Yeah, I agree. How about you? Um, well, I also, I never got the chance to meet Peter or any autographs or anything, but I always enjoyed seeing him on social media and him always, you know, like, I think the last, I was reading that the last thing he had, like, said on Reddit was, hope all is well or something and that's just so peter you know always caring about others and asking you know how they're doing and hoping everyone's doing well like i always love that i always love seeing that from people but my favorite chewbacca moment one of the things that comes in my head is in empire strikes back um when he's putting c3po back together and just how kind he is for that because i mean no one liked 3po and (laughs) yeah i don't think that anyone else would have cared to put him back together but chewbacca did and i always thought that was just so kind of him to do that and what star wars would be without chewbacca putting back together c3po i don't know but i always loved him like carrying him on his back and especially when you know, Han was talking to Chewbacca, you know, when he was about to go in Carbonite. And he's like, the princess, you have to take care of her. You know, and that look that he gave Han, like, basically agreeing yeah. with him that, you know, he would take care of her. I don't know. Oh, yeah. And also, I love any, like, any of the, the Leia-Chewbacca interactions were always great to see. Yeah. And you can feel, you can feel carrying peter's friendship through them yeah you can i did want to say um peter mayhew and his wife had set up um a, a foundation and just just from their website the peter mayhew foundation is a nonprofit organization devoted to the alleviation of disease, pain, suffering, and the financial toll brought on by life's traumatic events. By providing its available resources directly to deserving children and adults in need, we assist numerous charitable organizations in order to promote and boost their effectiveness and provide support where needed. So if you do want to donate, uh, go to petermayhewfoundation.org and you can do it from there. Yeah, um, I'll put that in the show notes too, so that if you have any questions about it, we'll put the link in there and everything. So, but yeah, I mean, thank you, Peter, for 
being Chewbacca and for bringing so much positivity to Star Wars and positivity, happiness, joy. We'll never forget you. Well, um, we actually got some news this week. And then after the news, we're going to talk about uh, The Mandalorian because we haven't yet sat down and discussed in depth about The Mandalorian. So, but for now, we have book news. Yeah, um... Yesterday on the 4th, uh, they released their whole slate of books in the run-up to The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So, the first book is, which caught your attention, right, Emily? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, It yeah. is Resistance Reborn by Rebecca Roanhorse. And this is going to be released on November 12th. And uh, the info for it says, Poe Dameron, General Leia Organa, Ray, and Finn must struggle to rebuild the Resistance after their defeat on the hands of the First Order in Star Wars The Last Jedi. I feel like there's more. But. The title. Yeah, no. What are going to say? Sorry. Oh, I'm just. I'm So because we know we're getting a time jump in the movie like this is something that was a big question at the end of last jedi which is with their numbers with their numbers so low where does the resistance go from here and so i'm really excited to see some of that play out in this book yeah i mean i had heard that rebecca is a fantastic writer i think i heard that from tom from del rey books i believe so i'm interested to see how this book is going to be and how it explains the beginnings of the rebuilding of the resistance. So that should be nice. And so there are a bunch of books and we're going to read, you know, the info for like the first couple. And then I have a one that was kind of an error and I'll get to that. But the next one is a force collector by Kevin Schnick. This is a young author's novel, young adult novel, young adult. I don't know why it's a young author, young adult. Okay. It's funny because I did the notes too. And like I did the abbreviation, like knowing whatever. Um, (laughs) November 19th. (laughs) uh, The info for this is just before the force awakens, a restless teenager sets out to discover what connection his mysterious force powers have to the fabled Jedi and what the force has in store for him. Okay. We have a force sensitive kid. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Um, Next, which is probably like the biggest one. We have The Art of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, uh, Visual Dictionary by Phil. I've never known how to pronounce his last name. Zostak. Sure. Uh, This is going to be released on December 20th, which is the date that episode nine is going to be released. And quote... The official behind-the-scenes concept production and post-production art for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker go inside the creative process behind the most anticipated film of the century. The latest trilogy in the Star Wars film series, 
brings Skywalker Saga to a close, and the art of Rise of Skywalker will take the readers into a creative process behind visualizing the epic worlds, creatures, characters, costumes, weapons, and vehicles of the landmark conclusion more than 40 years in the making. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I will say, um, you combine the two titles here, because the art of Star Wars, the Rise of Skywalker is the one Phil's doing. The The visual dictionary is, um, is Pablo's oh. book. Oh, fucking shit. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. So you just, yeah, you just combine the titles there. Oh. Oh. My bad. But I'm excited. I mean, I personally, I don't buy these visual dictionaries, but it's something that if I'm in Bards and Noble, like I skim through it and look at the art because I'm always really interested in seeing the art and the visuals and what thought yeah, goes there's into. Always, yeah. There's always the, those art of books are always gorgeous and the visual dictionary ones have given us some neat little tidbits in the past um so you'll get some good little bits of trivia over those a lot of times Hmm. yeah i'm excited um there's also a lot of like kids books like there's one like we are the resistance and and it joins Ray, Leia, Finn, Poe, Chewbacca, Rose, BB-8, and all the brave heroes of the Resistance to fight against the First Order. I don't know. Looks cute. Um, there's also like a couple. It looks like a lot, a lot of like kids' books. I mean, there's a sticker book. I'll get that. Star I have Wars the Rogue One sticker book. It's pretty nice. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, of course I have it. It had a Chronic sticker. That's cute. I wonder who's going to write the episode 9 novel. Yeah, they haven't announced that yet, have they? No, I was skimming through all of this. I mean, they have the fucking search and find book, but they don't have the... <laughs> Travel across the galaxy and explore scenes from The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker in this fun, illustrated search and find collection. Maybe yeah. it's a way... To not have that person be harassed on Twitter. You know what? That might be correct. Was Jason Fry harassed a lot on Twitter because of the book? I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm not even not even in terms of like being attacked or anything, but I'm just thinking of like people tweeting at you all day trying to get you to leak spoilers and shit. Um, some people have said some nasty shit to Jason Pry because people are Twitter. But I can't believe people are still talking about that. But did you see Ryan Johnson on Twitter the other night? The uh, the killing a villain off without an origin story one. Mm-hmm. Because that was pretty great. Ryan's funny. I like Ryan. Me too. Beyond just liking the movie that he made, I also just really like Ryan. I like how he's not afraid to tell these people to fuck off and to block them. Because there was, like, someone who was, like, giving him so much shit for a long time. And he even said something like, I don't know why I haven't blocked you yet. (laughs) But I don't know. Good for him. I'm excited for his trilogy whenever that's happening. Yeah, I can't wait till we finally learn something about it. Yeah. 
Oh, also, there was an error in uh, one of the books, Hypnosis, and it's Galaxy's Edge, Black Spire. The info for this was Kylo Ren is a relatively new character in the Star Wars universe, first making his appearance in The Force Awakens and played by Adam Driver. With a complicated origin story, this book hopes to look deeper into Kylo Ren's past and reveal more of the mysteries behind the mask. Which, of course, isn't the synopsis for Black Spire, which we already have a detailed synopsis of. That's the Galaxy's Edge um, time book that Delilah Dawson is doing. We know what that book's about. This appeared on, I believe, the Penguin Australia site and has since come down. It, it seems like it might be a synopsis for a book that hasn't been announced yet. Probably. I mean, I'm not surprised that we haven't gotten a Kylo Ren book yet because I feel like all of our questions about Kylo Ren either will be answered in this or just not answered at all. <laughs> Who knows? But I don't know. I mean, I think it'd be cool to finally have like a Kylo Ren book or something because, I mean, we have in. I was going to say we have a lot of books about other characters, but I mean, we really don't. I mean, we have that book about Rose and her sister. What was that book called again? Like Cobalt Squadron or something? Cobalt Squadron. Yeah. yeah. But. It- and we got, we got Phasma, but I think it's very different. I mean, Kylo, like it's easier to do that thing about Phasma because Phasma's not a main character in your movie. Yeah. So doing her backstory outside of the movie while the movies are happening, it's fine. But with Kylo, I mean, so much of his story is in the movies that doing a book before the last movie comes out would be weird. That's true. Yeah, there's still so much to know about these characters, too. I mean, well, in this movie, we're going to find out more about Ben, more about how Ben turned into Kylo, and even more about Rey and how she's not a Skywalker. Johnny Grosso. But I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to find more about find out more about these characters. So hmm. but also uh if you all go on the Star Wars website, there's a lot more books and kid books and comics and lots of things. Yeah, so check that out. Um, also, if you want magnets, get the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker magnetic playset because magnets are cool. <laughs> <sighs> well, anyways, uh, should we get into the Mandalorian trailer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about the Mandalorian. So, Emily and I were at Star Wars Celebration and we saw the Mandalorian trailer and you can too because it's on YouTube but it's a kind of choppy view because someone recorded on their phone but it's okay. I, I, I do not understand why there's not an official version of this trailer out yet. It is baffling. I don't know. I mean maybe it's like Bob Iger's decision not to do that. Well, I don't even think they knew because after that went out, Favreau was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you that we're not seeing this. Like, maybe they didn't know either. It's just, it's such a weird decision and why in the meantime they haven't released it. I do not understand. I understand keeping the behind the scenes thing. I understand keeping the the five minute long scene 
as like convention exclusives, I guess, for lack of a better word, I, I cannot come up with a single explanation for not releasing the goddamn teaser trailer. Hmm. I don't know. Especially when there's cam versions that are out there. If it, this had been a thing where they had, you know, like, like you get at like concerts and stuff sometime when everybody's phone gets locked up, whatever, that it's definitely, you know, nobody's leaking it, you're good to go. But as soon as there's a leaked copy of a trailer, just put up the goddamn trailer. I don't know. Well, I'm trying to think of like why they wouldn't do this. Okay, so it's May, June, July, August, September, October, November. So this comes out in six months. So maybe they just, there has to be a reason. Like maybe because there's not a lot of information about the streaming service out yet. I mean, we just got the prices like not even a week after they showed us this trailer at celebration so i don't know i mean i'm trying to give them a reason like benefit of the doubt there's no reason it's insane there's there's no reason not to put it out i don't know i always try to be like the you know looking at both sides person (laughs) i honestly don't know why but it's i mean i'm saying it's all good selfishly because i saw the trailer but i feel bad for people i want to be able to yeah I also want to be able to talk about the trailer with everybody. Yeah. And I'd like it and I'd like to be able to rewatch the trailer in non shitty cam form. Yeah. I don't know. Um let's let's watch. Okay, so we start off with the ship in space. And then we see um the Mandalorian looking at Gina Carano's character. I'm really excited for her. Oh, me too. She looks so good. Yeah. Because we instantly see her kicking some ass. Yeah. She kicks his ass for a second, too. And then we get my favorite part. Which is the um, Werner Herzog's narration kicks in. And he's apparently playing um, an imperial, I guess, ex-imperial. I don't know if it's ex if you empire has collapsed. But anyway, um, and it's it's the empire improves every system it touches, judged by any metric, safety, prosperity, and peace. Compare imperial rule to what is happening now. Is the world more peaceful since the revolution? Look outside. I feel nothing but death and chaos. it's so good and then you get um Giancarlo Esposito who is he's he's such a good actor and he's also playing an imperial villain and you just get this um him and this badass costume standing in front of some variety of death troopers and just has this line burn them out and you see this stormtrooper. It's more of a more like regular looking stormtrooper, except he's got this like red stripes. And he's also got a flamethrower and takes it to a building. Good old flame trooper. Yeah. And then after this, uh, they're inside of a cantina. Okay. Do you think this is on Tatooine? 
Well, I think it's the cantina. You think it's the the cantina? Yeah, I think it's Mos Eisley. I mean, it's otherwise unless Mos Eisley Cantina is a chain and they all look the same. This is the cantina. I guess. I mean, yeah, there could be chain restaurants in Star Wars. I mean, there could be a Star Wars equivalent to Chili's or. Yeah, but that's fucking lame to put in your movie. Yeah. I, I mean, that's true. But, you know, the whole everything is connected in Star Wars, you know, when there's only like five planets. But I mean, I get this because the Mandalorian, he's a bounty hunter. And, you know, a lot of bounty hunters go to Tatooine to get missions and to get money and everything so i just feel like if it's not Mos Eisley, you don't make it look exactly like Mos Eisley. yeah well we have ewoks with guns not ewoks jawas jawas with uh, blasters jawas man we get jawas again i wish there were ewoks though maybe one day we'll get them and then you get the yeah you get who a guy firing guns who is Bill Burr. I, I still don't know if Bill Burr has confirmed that it's Bill Burr, but I know Bill Burr when I'm looking at him. Hmm. And we get someone riding a uh, do-back. And then good old... Um, okay, I don't know how to explain these characters. So we get like the bug eye bounty hunter. It looks like the bug eye bounty hunter guy. Yeah, there is a looking, like, praying mantis looking dude. That's what it is. A praying mantis. I'm just assuming everybody with a gun is a bounty hunter in the show. <laughs> That's a good exception. Like, you're either an Imperial or you're a bounty hunter. I guess maybe the Jawas probably aren't bounty hunters. There's just Jawas. And there's a dude with devil horns. Yeah. And then we have uh, the Mandalorian with a knife. And then we have Gina Carano firing and then ig88 or ig something um walk ig11 walking around shooting shit spinning around shooting shit we get Giancarlo flying a tie fighter which i'm excited to see he looks so badass and scary i love him oh i'm so happy he's in the show i love the mandalorian music it's kind of like westerny like yeah. Yeah. And we see him smash a stormtrooper in the face hard enough to break the stormtrooper's helmet. That's crazy. Yeah. And then you see him with the weapon from when he was first introduced as a cartoon in the holiday special. Who would have known that a holiday special would be the inspiration for an actual character in Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, I know, look, I, I realize he's not Boba Fett, and so it's not technically him, but it, come on. It's it's Boba Fett's weapon from the holiday special. Yeah. That's awesome. I wonder what, how he uses it. Do you remember how he uses it in the holiday special? Man, I don't remember anything from the holiday special. I don't think I've ever seen it sober. I think it's some sort of shock thing. Maybe. That'd be interesting. Hmm. I assume we're not going to discuss the stuff, the, the scene that we saw? I mean, we, didn't, we, didn't talk, we talked about it a little bit before. Um, I don't, I mean, 
it's nothing we can sort of, I don't want to sit here and watch through it for the full five minutes, but that is, um, you can, you can find in-depth breakdown online, but basically it's the Mandalorian getting the job that's going to be the MacGuffin of the show. Yeah. Uh, so we see him going to Carl Weathers, who is some sort of like broker who hire you know as a go between for bounty hunters, and the Mandalorian comes in looking for work, and he only has like little low paying jobs, but there's this big job that pays a lot that he could have, and then he goes and talks to Werner Herzog, who has a bunch of stormtroopers with him, which is awesome. And it's the job is to bring somebody back, preferably alive. And it's going to pay a shit ton of money and some sort of special Mandalorian medal. Yeah. Um, there was an interview the other day day with Herzog and he was talking about how um, he thinks he's in two to three episodes of the show um, which which going by what we've seen so far we're going to see him at the beginning and at the end because you know he's the one who, who sort of sets up the job so it makes sense to, to yeah. pull that around at the end too um he was just talking about how phenomenal the show is and what a great experience it was. And also that he's never seen a Star Wars movie. <laughs> because of, 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 because of fucking, of course he hasn't. Uh, I want to find, let me, let me find his actual quote because it amused me. I fucking, I love this dude so much. He's just so doesn't give a shit. I've seen some trailers. I've seen some excerpts here and there. And I know the whole franchise. I know about the whole franchise and about the toys for the kids. And so it's all a new mythology. <laughs> He's so funny. I think, and I could be completely making this up. I, I think it was Herzog who just talks about how he doesn't watch many movies. Which I think is fascinating for a director to say but i mean he's a weird fucking dude looks like it <laughs> he seems nice though he is he is delightful he seems like you're tight in, <laughs> in every interview i see him in i'm just like you're so weird <laughs> and i just like it and the fact that he's playing this scary ass dude i'm so excited for the show i just i i got chills hearing that voiceover in the panel um, like, if you haven't watched the trailer, even in crappy cam version, try it out. It's worth it just for that narration. Um, I can't, I can't do a Werner Herzog impression because, I mean, it's both a German accent and also just Herzog being Herzog. But it's so good for a villain monologue, and I, I hope that monologue is in the actual show and not just a trailer monologue. Episode two. And for me, the show is just in the sweet spot of, look, as much, and I know I'm going back on stuff I've said about a lot on the show about wanting to explore time periods that get away from this, you know, this same 40 years that we see 
But I think in terms of plotting and just world building, this is such a fascinating time to explore this idea of what happens when an empire falls, particularly what happens when a fascist empire falls. Because the people don't just all disappear, as as we see, you know, half the cast of this trailer is imperial bad guys. Yeah, I'm interested to or about what's going to happen to them, and especially like the stormtroopers too. Like, who do they, or who's in charge of them? Yeah, that's the thing. Is like I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that they're still in their armor and everything. You know, they're they're still stormtroopers, and because the galaxy is so big, and this is this is maybe five years after, so a little bit less now. But like right at the beginning, you'd have you'd have people on on the you know the further reaches of of the galaxy that's under empire control who like might not even hear about this for a while that the empire has fallen. And you'd have these, these because you'd have moths and, and governors on these planets who are ruling them for the empire. And a lot of them probably continued to wield power for, I mean, God only knows how long afterwards. Because if you're on some podunk planet somewhere and you're in control of it, you probably have very little oversight from the Empire itself. Yeah. And if you have enough manpower that nobody can like overthrow you, I mean, how long is it going to take the New Republic to, to, to get to your planet? If ever do. So you'd just be this petty little dictator on this planet for however long you can keep it. And especially, like, a planet like Tatooine, too. Like, no one gives a shit about Tatooine. So all these, you know, former Empire leaders, are that's where they're probably going to go is Tatooine because they're going to go to these planets that no one gives a shit about and they're just going to dictate it and, you know, bring their troops there. Because, yeah, because you're talking about planets that are already, I mean, as far as we can tell, pretty much, like, run by gangsters anyway. So if you're a gangster with a bunch of tro- stormtroopers, you're fucking sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's such an interesting era to write about and to make a television series about. So I I still can't believe we're getting The Mandalorian. And, I mean, it'll feel real once they actually release a trailer or something, but who knows? Yeah, I'm I'm all in on this show now, which I was not expecting to be. I mean, I've, I've wanted a Star Wars live action show for so long, but when it was like the Mandalorian thing, I'm like, eh. Like, I never, I, I you know, the stuff in the Clone Wars with the Mandalorian stuff is okay. But it looks like this show is going to be so much more than a Mandalorian show. If, in fact, it's a Mandalorian show at all. Like, obviously, there's some of it, like, with this... I mean, because I mean, besides the fact that the main dude's wearing Mandalorian army, 
like the whole weird like the thing with the like them like getting this metal that is this mandal like you know it should be under mandalorian ownership or whatever herzog tells him when he gives it to him as partial payment and so there'll be some of the mandalorian mythology there mm-hmm. but it doesn't it doesn't appear to be the main focus of the show which i'm happy about as much as i do desperately hope we get a mention of death watch in this show death watch death watch I just I want to hear somebody yelling "Death Watch" at some point, preferably John Favreau, but anybody <laughs> at all. Just bring John Favreau in and have him yell "Death Watch." He, like he doesn't have to do like the acting himself; it could just be voiceover of some like random Mandalorian and like you know, dude in armor. I want somebody to yell "Death Watch." Mm-hmm. It's all. I mean, it's not all that I want, but it is something that I do desperately want. And if it doesn't happen. The show's going to lose, like, half a star in my mind. <laughs> Thank God for half a star and not, like, three or two stars. <laughs> no, no, no. I mostly, because I mostly think the show's going to be awesome. Yeah, me too. And so I can't, I can't ding it that much, but there is, there is half, half a star automatically either way wh- based on whether or not Death Watch is mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. If it does get mentioned on the show, there's going to be an episode that's just me playing that sound clip over and over and over again for an hour. I mean, I, I thought we had that on because on Zencaster, I think like the one that you actually pay for, you have like actual like sound bites that you can use. Yeah, you can set up a soundboard. Ooh. I should not be in charge of that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you should be in charge of that either. I, oh, yeah, I would, I would turn this podcast into something unlistenable if I was in charge of the sound bites. I mean, that's bad because we're already like right on that border. I don't think we need, I don't think we need any more. Yeah. <sighs> well, it's it's good that we know that we're on the border of a uh, insert word here, but. Well, uh, I think we have an email. Yeah, we got we got an email from Rabia about Chewbacca. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. All right. Hello, Canto Biters. I hope you guys are doing well. This week was the tragic passing of Peter Mayhew, and I wanted to write my appreciation for Chewbacca. If you were to ask me who was the character in the original trilogy I was most like, or that I most admired, it would be Chewbacca. Chewie and I are loyal, we both have amazing <laughs> hair, we're both taller than our friends, and we are both very emotional. But, on a more serious note, here are some things, here are some of the great things Chewie does in the film. Chewbacca co-piloted the Falcon during the castle run, but never gets any credit for breaking the record, nor does he ask for it. Oh, that's yeah, a really that good is. point. Everyone is upset he didn't get a medal at the end of A New Hope because he helped save Luke in the Rebellion, so he deserves it. He does. He still cares about C-3PO and carries his limbs, even as everyone found him annoying. He can fight stormtroopers with his bare hands inside an AT-AT in Return of a Jedi. When Han Solo died, Chewie's roar of anguish is what sold that scene for me. Oh, absolutely. And if we don't get some sort of Chewbacca 
confrontation with Kylo that is a, in this next movie that is a huge missed opportunity. Oh yeah. And and then the last one, Chewie looks after Rey throughout the Last Jedi, even though he could be doing so many other things now that Han is gone and the life dead is over. So while I sadly know very little about the man behind the mask, I hope that everyone takes the opportunity to learn more about him and recognize how much this walking carpet does within the films and how much joy he brings everyone viewing them. May the force be with you, Peter, and thank you. Keep on podcasting, Rabia. That was beautiful. Yeah, thank you. And Chewie, yeah, Chewie does all sorts of good things. He's such a good hero. He is. I feel like he's a very underrated hero in Star Wars. Yeah. Like, he does all sorts of things that he doesn't get any credit for. And, you know, especially in, like, Revenge of the Sith. I mean, he helped Yoda stay alive. And, you know, he was in the Battle of Kashyyyk, and that's not talked about. Or he doesn't even mention it, probably. I mean, and all that he's done, I mean, how old is he? He's about 200 now, right? I think something like that, yeah. He, And, yeah. No, what are you going to say? Like Robbie mentioned, like, oh, like, like Robbie mentions the, the, the sticking with Ray. Yeah. Ugh. He's such a good character. Like, I feel like definitely he's the character that no one really talks about. And, you know, like she said in her email, like that he made the tell, he helped make the Kessel run less than 12 parsecs. No one talks about that. And, you know, he helped the rebellion beat the empire. No one talks about that. He also, God, remember that in, in the Force Awakens, when he like shot Kylo Ren, oh, it's such a scene. that was sad. Yeah, I mean that's such a that's such a a layered mm-hmm. moment because he would have. I mean, first of all, it's his best friend, yeah, dying, but also it's his best friend being killed by a kid that he knew that he watched grow up, basically. Yeah. Like, I know a lot of that is sort of like, you, you know, like headcanon in fandom, but he would have been Uncle Chewbacca. Mm hmm. And, like, that's so devastating. It is. And it's weird because I know, like, I know we're still getting Chewbacca. And I know that, you know, the last the last few times we saw Chewbacca, it wasn't it wasn't Peter. But it it still feels like losing Chewbacca. It really does. You know, it's it's definitely bittersweet. You know, it's definitely it's heartbreaking losing Peter, but you know, and definitely like seeing him in episode nine also, but also seeing Jonas you know, put on the mask and do his best, you know, being, you know, carrying on Chewbacca. Like, it's so beautiful to see that. It's going to be beautiful seeing that for, you know, the next couple of times or, you know, 
like Chewbacca might be in, you know, more Star Wars, you know, or Wookiees. And that's going to be Jonas. Like Jonas is the new, the new Wookiee and the new Chewbacca. And, and he, he, he talks about how, how much of that is down to, to Peter, like working with him. Yeah. And being like a Chewbacca masterclass. Yeah. But it's still like he's still yeah, again, like it doesn't it doesn't matter who else plays him, like it's still it's it's still Peter. It's sort of like um uh Carol Spinney who played Big Bird, uh re- stopped doing it, I think I think last year, the year before. And, you know, had had been been training a replacement and doing like less and less of the physical stuff but you know even if somebody is playing big bird for the next 20 years carol spinney is still big bird because that character is his mm-hmm. um you know and, and and you know not his invention on on paper but he made that character who he is and that's what peter did with Chewie. Yeah. <sighs> well, thank you for the email, Rabia, and thank you for, you know, helping sharing the positivity of Peter Mayhew and, you know, great Chewbacca moments and great Peter Mayhew moments. Yeah. <sighs> well, Emily, do you have anything else to add for episode 90? I don't think so. Um, oh, man, episode 9. We got to start thinking about what we're doing for episode 100. I know. I was I was just thinking that, you know, uh, going on Twitter and reposting episode 89 the other day. We're going to have to do something. Do you have any... Uh, any ideas of what we should do? I have no idea. Fuck, I don't either. Can't believe you've already made it to ninety. That it doesn't seem right. It seems like a lot. I know dealing with me is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. I don't know. We'll think of something, or if. Um, if anybody's listening has something they want us to do for a hundred, please let us know. Yeah, what do you guys want? Just, just don't, don't tell us to end it because we're we're not ending it. <laughs> what if someone just like messaged us is like, for episode one hundred, can it just be your last? <laughs> That'd be fucked up. But I feel like if we got em- enough of those messages, I would probably end the podcast. Mm. Well, I mean. We have no negative reviews on iTunes yet, so that means th- that's worrisome because I feel like every great podcast has at least like two or three reviews that are like, this podcast is terrible, and that's how you know that you've made it. <laughs> or it's how you know your podcast is terrible. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe, but I mean... We're okay. Maybe. But on that note, 
Uh, Emily, where can we find you on social media? Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind, and the show is on Twitter and Instagram at CantoBitePod, and you can email us, CantoBitePod at gmail.com. Beautiful. How about you? You can find me on Twitter as CantoBrit and Instagram as BrittanyTheGinger. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to this episode. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Uh, Kanto bitch number one doing it fulcrum style. Uh, check it out. Listen up, y'all, because this is it. Fuck all the rest. Be a Kanto bitch. Brittany the Jinch and Emily Lynn. Bet on these two to show place and win. These are the girls you've been looking for. Unique takes on Star Wars and more. Listen every week for laughs and fun. Take it from me, Kendall Bitch number one.